Welcome to Connect Church Podcast with Louise Cardozo. Lord, prepare our hearts now to receive the word. Prepare our minds now and our hearts to be blessed and impacted by your messenger. Lord, I pray that you use James Manhinnett to bless us. Lord, this dear friend of mine, we preached series and so many sermons, Lord, while I was in, in Gunzi and while I was always truly blessed. So I pray that today you may continue to use him to bless me and everyone that will be listening to this message. So guys, I it's my joy uh, to introduce you all to James Manhinnett a good, dear friend of mine, and a great man of God. We did mission in Africa together. We did a lot of sermon series and, and, and a lot of things together while in Gunzi. And James, it's just a joy to have you with us, brother. Allow God to use you. And yeah, thank you for being obedient to, to his call and to the invitation to preach to us. Thank you. Thank you, Lewis. Um, I hope everybody can hear me. I'm looking for any thumbs ups. I've got some nods that will do. Fantastic. Um, uh, it, it's so good to be asked by Lewis to come and and, uh, and and preach to all over this very strange medium. I've never preached um, over a Zoom before, so Lewis has a jump on me on that. In fact, I've never preached sitting down before, which is very strange. And I'm sure Lewis would say it's very strange to preach sitting down. So I hope I don't get up and move out of camera too many times. Um, one other thing, I, mem I remember when Lewis was in Guernsey, we were used to relatively short sermons. And then this pastor from Brazil came over and all of that changed. <laughs> all of that changed. And, and I remember going to preach uh, not long after I, I, I started being pastored by Lewis. And I was asked a question, how big a glass of water do you need for your sermon? And I said, well, it really kind of depends on how long I'm going to preach for. And then so Lewis asked me this morning to, 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 to preach, and I thought, okay, well, I'll need something of this kind of size, I think, for, uh, for my sermon this morning. And, and actually, if I run out of that, I've always got this. So um, I hope we're all sat for uh, a good time, and our ovens are on timer, and the chicken doesn't burn. It is great to worship the Lord together and to meditate on his word. And I want to bring you his word. So I'm going to read to you first from... Uh, if I can get my computer working, from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And uh, hear now the words of the true and living God. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind onto the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the, sailor said to, the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they did, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, 
Tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? See, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to, to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick him up and pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come across you. But instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't because the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Just join me in prayer, please. Father God, I want to ask you to bless the time that we spend together, Lord. Thank you so much that you give us your word. You give us uh, a, a rule book for life. You, you give us an insight to your creating nature, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you use me in this time, that you, you speak through me, Lord, that I'm, my name be decreased and your name be increased, Lord, because it's to your glory that we are here together and here because we love you and we want to do as you teach us to do, as you command us. So, Lord, speak through me. Let your people hear your voice. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the captain goes to Jonah and says, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so we won't perish. So the foundation for this is who was Jonah? Jonah was a true prophet of God. He heard the voice of God. He knew the will of God. He, he knew the presence of God. And despite all of that, he fled from the presence of God because he didn't want to obey God's voice. Because whenever you get into the manifest presence of God, he deals with everything in your heart. And because Jonah didn't want to carry the gospel of judgment on sin, he was a lot, it was like a lot of our sort of smooth talking prophets that we might see on television today. He only wanted to speak what made him popular with the people. So he fled to Tarsha. She goes down to Joppa, finds a ship, gets on it, and he pays the fare. Because you see, disobedience costs. Sin costs and will cost us in the long run. And also sin gives us wages of its own. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. So Jonah goes down into it, goes down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And this speaks of the hardening of his heart, of his rebellion against the Lord. But the Lord set out a great wind into the sea, a mighty tempest, so rough that the ship was likely to be broken up. But Jonah, fearing the Lord, had gone down below deck, where he lies down and falls into a deep sleep. Everyone else is terrified, afraid for their lives, crying out to their gods to be saved, and they start throwing things that they previously valued overboard into the sea. Everything they held on to, everything they trusted and depended on, they just threw away. And then the captain still finds this man of God sound asleep. 
and with total desperation for his life and the lives of everyone on board, he asks this sleepy prophet, how can you sleep at a time like this? My new friends, this is what I hear the world saying today. When we look at what's going on all around us, that's what they're saying. We're in turbulent times when our lives are being destroyed. Nothing is making sense. Everything is being turned upside down thanks to COVID-19, thanks to rioting around the world, thanks to people saying all kinds of untruths. We don't know what to believe. We don't know who to believe. And in the midst of all of that chaos, the world looks at a slumbering church and asks the question, how can you sleep at a time like this? The world is saying, where are the true prophets of God, the ones that pointed true north to give us a point of reference to tell us right from wrong based on the objective truth of God? The ones that gave us the truth that we can navigate our lives by and make it through the storms of our lives. Where are the true prophets that would hear God's word as Ezekiel did and prophesy as he was commanded? Where are the prophets who don't care about being politically correct? Where are the true prophets of God that preach righteousness, holiness, separation from sin, sanctification? Where are the prophets that don't overlook sin or pretend like it doesn't exist, but command repentance? Where are the prophets who do not use grace as a cloak for sin, but as a power to conquer sin? I was lucky enough to worship with you last week, was the week before, on Aldersgate Sunday, when we thought about John Wesley and, and, and Lewis gave us many things that John Wesley said. And one thing that John Wesley has said is that before he preaches love and mercy and grace, he preaches law and sin and conviction. And he said, if I had to preach, I preach 90% law and 10% grace. Where are the prophets who do that today? The question is being asked of us, how do we sleep at a time like this? How could the disciples of God sleep at a time like this when the storm is raging, the ship is going down, society is being turned upside down? We're not just trying to warn people of a coming storm. We're telling you that it's here. Wake up. The storm is here. You know, I don't think I've ever seen society change as much as it has done in the last 10 years. And as I was thinking about this word over the last few days, what God has put on my heart is, what am I doing? Am I in the nice, comfy, below decks of my house here in Guernsey, where we don't have any more cases of COVID-19, where we don't have anyone rising up and saying, what are we doing about injustice and inequality in this island? What am I doing? Because regardless of that thing, there are still many, many people in this island, as there will be in England, and across the world, who are driving in their cars towards the edge of a cliff of death, the inevitable statistic that 10 out of 10 of us will face death, and what happens after that? And the world is saying, what am I doing? What are we doing? Everything is being redefined and restructured. The family unit is being redefined by society. Good is now defined as evil. Evil is defined as good. What was bitter is now called sweet, and what is sweet is now called bitter. 
Remember the words of Isaiah sounding out a warning to a generation such as ours when he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Friends, so often when I've been to uh, on holidays or been away and, I, and I've gone to a church, um, often when I've gone, been to America and I've gone to churches in America that I don't know, uh, I get told that God's concern for us is that we're to be comfortable, happy, and prosperous, and that God has a wonderful plan for our lives. And we're being told across the country that the Holy Spirit no longer convicts of sin. He just witnesses to our righteousness how good we are and the wonderful things that we are going to have in our lives if we accept Jesus into our hearts. Some prophets will even say to us that everyone is already saved. They just don't know it. They go on to say that it doesn't matter if you even hear the gospel or not, because you're saved already. Some will even deny that hell is existing and is a real place, and that all liars will, have their, will be cast into the lake of fire. Friends, this is a false doctrine that goes on to tell us that light and darkness can now live together which is an absolute contradiction to the word of God. Sin, as we know here, I know we know this. Sin is darkness, disobedience, transgression of God's law, separates us from God. And the only way to restore that broken fellowship with God is to recognize our unrighteousness, to crawl back on our knees to God and say, Lord, I need you in my life. I can't live without you. Without you, death is the only thing that awaits me. But with you, life in abundance is what awaits me. Hallelujah. So again, I ask the question, how can we sleep at a time like this? Isaiah sent out, sounded out a further warning. He said in Isaiah 56 verse 10, his watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're like sleeping dogs. They cannot bark because they're asleep, lying down, loving to slumber. Jeremiah joined with Isaiah saying that they have dressed the wounds of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, where truly there was no peace. Now, we've never, we haven't met before in person. I hope I get the chance to come over when airlines get released and I can come and meet you all and be in fellowship with you and worship together. I want you to like me, but I'm not going to lie to people to gain people's friendship or approval. I have to bark. As Isaiah called out, I cannot be a slumbering dog. We mustn't be slumbering dogs. We have to bark. I never appoint myself or consider myself to be a prophet. I am totally undeserving, not least of what Lewis says about me, but I'm totally undeserving of what God has for me. But I can hear the trumpet sounding. And I have a responsibility to sound the alarm. As Isaiah writes, we have to shout it aloud and don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Israel their sins. We are being called as disciples of Christ to sound the alarm, to wake up the slumbering saints, to warn the sleeping, slumbering, half-in, half-out church that I'm sure you see around you where you are that does not think it doesn't need revival. 
because there's more to this Christian life than moving your lips. There's a transformed life. There's repentance, turning your back on sin and the world. There's sanctification, consecration, submission, faithfulness, and obedience. There's thinking pure thoughts and speaking those wonderful words of grace that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's self-denial when we take up our cross and follow him. There's suffering for his sake. There's having no fellowship with the works of darkness, laying aside every weight and sin that besets us. And friends, there's a disciplined life of praying, reading your Bible, being faithful to church, witnessing, discipling. Now, I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but I have to tell you, it's not a time to be spiritually asleep. And I know, having sat through many, many of Pastor Cardozo's sermons, it's impossible to be asleep for very long because he will see you and he will awaken you. It's time to be awake, spiritually alert, aggressively and boldly confronting the powers of darkness, rebuke sin, casting out devils, praying for the oppressed, confronting false doctrines, seducing spirits that infiltrate the church. It is a tough time that we find ourselves in, but friends, it is an opportunity to demonstrate the true power of God. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and to do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You see, it's also true that every one of us who has been saved, been redeemed, been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, who, who is seen with his righteousness by our Father in heaven, every one of us that's been delivered from Satan's power, we all have the responsibility to sound the trumpet, to warn of the coming judgment that awaits each and every one of us, and then to tell as John Wesley said, of the mercy and the love of God. How can we sleep at a time like this? How can we bury our heads in the sand and pretend like everything is fine? How can we lay down our weapons of war, our faith, the word of God, prayer, and act like we're at peace and we're just going to sail into heaven on a flowery bed of ease? How can we be silent when the truth gets trampled in the street, when the word of God gets watered down, gets deluded, gets stripped of its power, gets sugar-coated? We have that responsibility to defend the truth, to prove all things and to hold fast to that which is good, to rightly divine the word of truth. As Jude writes, to contend for the faith that was delivered once and for all to the saints. And I believe today, just as the captain came to wake up the sleeping prophet, that the Holy Spirit, who is the shipmaster of the church, is sending a wake-up call today to each and every church and to each and every one of us to burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit like we had last week in Pentecost, that we need more of his power within us. And that as John Wesley says, that if you come and you burn with the Holy Spirit, men will come and watch you burn. 
I can't see exactly the quote that's in behind me, but because I'm looking at my notes. I remember uh, the wonderful preacher, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, a very, very eloquent man, uh, apparently had a vocabulary similar to that of William Shakespeare, vocabulary of 25,000 words, the most eloquent of preachers. We apparently, research shows, have a vocabulary of around about 13,000 words. You can double that if you're bilingual like Lewis. About 13,000 words. But Charles Spurgeon had a vocabulary of 25,000 words. And I recall a sermon when he got up into the pulpit and spoke one of his most eloquent quotes that I've ever heard. So prepare for this. You might want to write it down. Are you ready? Do something, do something, do something. Now, can you understand what he is trying to eloquently put to the people he was ministering to at that time? <laughs> to do something. And I wonder how many souls will be saved when, when we wake up. When we ask for more of the Spirit to be poured out into our lives, and then we will not be able to sleep. There won't be the possibility of us sleeping. We'll be forced awake, and we will be barking dogs for the Lord. The storm is raging. The ship is going down. Souls are going into a Christless eternity. God is our only protection. And friends, if we continue to see God being pushed out of our schools, our homes, our governments, we're in a very dangerous position. It's time to wake up. It's time to get our heads out of the sand, to come out onto the deck of the ship, face the truth, face the storm, be consumed with the fire of the Spirit, stop straddling a fence. It's time to get on fire like never before. Time to show the world what a true follower, a disciple of Christ looks like and if you want to know what a true disciple of christ looks like go and find a mirror because he's there burning in your heart how can we sleep at a time like this it's time to wake up with any luck they heard me maybe that's why they've run off now because it's time to repent it's time to stop rebelling and running from the call and the great commission of god to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature it's time to stop running from his conviction, running from the truth, running from responsibility. Jonah did exactly that. We're not alone if we sometimes feel afraid and we sometimes know, what are we supposed to do? How do we do it? I don't have the gifts to teach. How can I do this? But God says that he is with us to the ends of the age. It's time to say yes to God, yes to his word, his will, his way. And yes to his love. Friends, if you know this word is true, if you know that this, this island I live on, this country that we all live in, if we know that this church, this global church needs to wake up, if you feel that God is speaking to you, if you know it's time to wake up, make it your prayer this week for God to be merciful to us, and to send us the fire of the Holy Spirit and another great awakening to this land. Because, friends, it is on us to preach the good word of Christ. And he will be with us even to the very ends of the age. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Wow. What a message, my friend. What a message. James, can you pray for us? I will do. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the technology that enables us to meet together across so many miles and, and, and just to live out your your commission for us to meditate and rest on your word. And Lord, we pray this morning that you continue your work in us, Lord. We're here for you because we love you. We're here to continue to be transformed by you, to be renewed by you, to be filled with the fire of your spirit, Lord Jesus. So I pray that my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning can be filled, can be renewed, can be filled with a desire to go and bring your word to seek the souls that are lost. Lord, let us as a connected church burn with fire and a zeal for your word. Thanks for joining the Connect Church Podcast. If you'd like more information or to ask us a question, please go to www.cntchurch.co.uk.